0: We're going to jump out of Luke for a while, okay? We're going to. Um, um, I can tell you that 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 this week and next week are kind of kind of separate things, and then we'll talk a little more about uh, uh, Christmas. And the scriptures as we move into our Saturday exciting first time Christmas Eve service and then our Sunday morning just come together post presents and, and do family and worship and devotion together and uh, then move into the new year. It's a strange season because, you know, Sunday falls on Christmas Day and Sunday falls on New Year's Day. And and there's a lot a lot coming, and it's plenty over the next five weeks to deal with. But it's still a lot when it comes to really making a change in our lives, right? And so, um, I've been thinking a lot about the season and about the season of giving and about the the the, the constraints and strains that we put on ourselves during this time. My wife and I have a um have a a, a tit for tat kind of thing going on as far as. Uh, how you deal with uh, a, a specific thing, you know, uh, uh, we only we've been married eight years. So, you know, I'd been through 37, 38, almost 40 years of my life. Right. When we got married. So I had some set things and she had some set things. And, and one of the things we dealt with at Christmas was uh, your family's way of doing Christmas. Right. Versus my family's way of doing Christmas. Right. And how you bought and purchased gifts for your family and which cousins and which grandparents and which parents and how we bought for my family and which cousins and which parents and which grandparents. And in my side of the family, uh, my mother has like 29 brothers and sisters, right? And on Jamie's side of the family, there are three. So there is a, a, a major difference in the two and in how you choose and in how you spend. And then you deal with how to go, where to go, when to go, because who went on this day and who went on that day. And they planned theirs on this day, but they had a child on this day. So we had to move ours to this day and it's three hours to this house, but one hour to this house, and we're all dealing with things that just stress us out. And then you have the Sheldon Cooper extrapolation, right? Last night it's perfect timing for me to use this as an introduction. Uh, we were we we're going through like the ninth time, maybe maybe more, through Big Bang Theory because that's what plays when nothing else plays. And even last night, she goes to this show never gets old and it never gets old, it doesn't. And so um, Penny in season two informs Sheldon that she has purchased him a gift and he freaks out. What do you mean you've purchased me a gift? Why would you do that? She was like, why would I do that? Because I like you. No, inherent in the idea that you bought me a gift means what church? I gotta buy you one. Jamie and I have tried to work through this in our marriage. Craig doesn't have that problem. I've just, I'm over it, right? But Sheldon just just has a massive freak out, right? And so she says, I won't do it. And he's like, no, you've already bought it. So he has two of his buddies take him to the store, and they end up in Bath and Body Works, and he's trying to decide how to ask this lady how much, if I give you this basket, what does this mean our friendship looks like? Are we friends? Are we friends with benefits? Are we more than friends? How big a package do I have to buy? How small a package do I have to buy to get this correctly? And Sheldon, in his brilliance, finally figures out then what he's going to do is he's going to buy like six or eight baskets of bath and body Works stuff, all right, of different sizes and shapes. So that when he gets home and Penny gives him the gift, right, then he can feign gastric distress, run into the restroom area. When he will then run into his room, grab a gift of equal value, run back out, letting him, her know that he's okay and hand her a gift, Right? Well, this is all fine and good. And they come in with all these baskets, and the apartment smells like, you know, rose petals and and petunias and all those things that I can't name, right? And ocean breeze and et cetera, et cetera. So Penny hands him a gift, right? Have you seen this episode? Who knows what the gift is? It's a napkin. And Sheldon goes, Oh, a napkin. And she goes, Sheldon, turn it over. She flips the napkin over. And it's signed by Leonard Nimoy, who is Spock, right? And Sheldon is just, he goes into fanboy really bad. He he gets down on the couch and he's like, Leonard, Leonard Nimoy. And Penny accidentally says, yeah, I'm sorry it's a little dirty. He wiped his mouth with it. I possess the DNA of Leonard Nimoy. And he freaks and he runs into the bedroom and he comes out with every basket and they're dropping and she's like Sheldon. And he goes, I know, it's not enough. <laughs> and then he hugs her. That's how the show ends. And then he hugs her. And she goes, look, Leonard, Sheldon's hugging me. And of course, Leonard says it's a Saturnalia miracle because Sheldon won't let him believe in Christmas. (sighs) That was fun. Okay. Don't raise your hands. How many of you understand and recognize... Don't raise your hands. How many of you understand and recognize that that whole idea is miserable and stupid and takes away from the spirit of giving. Don't raise your hands. How many of you feel like you have to do it anyway? See, we've, we've really messed up giving. We've really messed up our priorities. You know when when when, when uh, uh, Hermione says, you know, we could have been killed or worse, expelled. And Ron says she really has to get her priorities straight. My wife said something the other day, and she she didn't give me permission to do this, but I'll hear about it later if I don't have permission. But I think it's fine. <laughs> Here's hoping. <laughs> um, I was thinking about what she said. She was talking about worshiping the other day and she, my wife, loves, loves Christmas decorations. Not like those of you pre-Thanksgiving centers do, but she loves them, okay? Some of y'all didn't get that joke till just now, all right? Yeah, so she loves them. And it's December 11th and our ours aren't, aren't up. We, we haven't had time to to put them up. Life has been busy and it's been hard and it's been beautiful and it's been exhausting, but but, but it's been us. It's been us and that is okay. And so she said she was uh, listening yesterday morning because when she's getting ready and stuff in the bathroom, I'm normally already gone and she turns on worship music and this week she was listening to the songs for this morning because she was supposed to sing. And she said, you know, she was letting me know how God spoke to her about that. And, you know, God was speaking to her because she said, I, I wasn't mad, but I was starting, it was starting to get to me that the decorations weren't up, right? And she said this epiphany basically came over her about um, Scrooge, not Scrooge, the Grinch, the Grinch, totally different story. And she remembered the end of the Grinch. All right, where he has gone and taken all the presents. Okay, now I'm going to stop because I'm going to parallel this story to another one. Okay, there are, there are two types of, 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 of attitudes on the extreme. All right, one we ought to be and one we've become. Okay, so she says, do you remember when he's looking out from the top of the mountain after he's taken everything from the who's that he could take? And as he peers out over the hill on Christmas morning, he expects everybody to be sad and upset and broken and hurting. And what happens? The opposite. They're singing. And Dr. Seuss goes through this whole thing about the gifts were gone and the, 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 the decorations were gone, but Christmas was still there, not because they had or they didn't, but because it wasn't based on those things, it was in here. There are Hooville Christmas people and there are Dudley Christmas people. Do you know who I'm talking about? All you Harry Potterites? What's the line? How many are there 36 36, but last year I had 37. Which one are you? Well, well, wait, wait, let me ask a really harder question. Which one are your children? They weren't born with it. As I thought about where to go today and I talked to the elders about how I wanted to address this topic, we were all very clear that it was about heart. Not about Christmas, not about giving, not about money, but about heart. And there's that old, I think Si told me this morning, uh, Joe Cocker song, it's time to get down to the heart of the matter. I can't sing any more of it because it's not about what I want, but that line works. Okay, that line works. This is about the heart of the matter, okay? This is about how to reshift our priorities, individually, as a church, and as a nation. What do you mean as a nation? I'm gonna show you something. I'm going to show you something that's going to blow your mind. I did something like this a few years ago. I'm going to do it again. Does anybody have any idea how much money it would take to feed every school child in America all year long? School lunches, free For every child in America, every poor, rich, fat, skinny, short, tall kid in school eats for free. How much money would that cost to feed our children in America? Anybody have any idea? I do. $1.25 billion. Anybody think that's a lot of money? Raise your hands on this one. 1.25 billion. Anybody? Yep, 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 yep. How much would it take to adopt every single child in the foster system in America today? Anybody? For between 1.8 and 2 billion dollars we could pay. If the families were there, we could pay to have all of these kids adopted. That would cover it. Still a lot of money though, right? How much would it cost to end hunger? No, to end, this actually should say homelessness, to end homelessness. So the the, the slide is wrong. How much would it cost to end homelessness in the United States of America? Anybody? You want to take a guess 2 billion 10 to 12 billion dollars some some are up, upwards of 18 to 20 billion okay but we'll say between 10 billion and 20 billion you wipe homelessness out that that includes LA and San Francisco just uh, just saying how about world hunger let's 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 get out of america if you wanted to eradicate hunger in the world how much money would it take to feed every person who doesn't have a standard meal every day for a year how many 73 billion close between 30 and 40 billion so let's call it 35 billion 1.25 billion dollars feeds every school kid 2 billion adopts every American child in foster care all children in America in foster care 15 to 20 billion eradicates homelessness 30 to 40 billion wipes out world hunger from Thanksgiving Day to January 2nd, how much money will Americans spend on the holidays? This is flights, family, gifts, uh, travel, food. Let me show you what that looks like. There's a green line up there. That would be the uh, school children. That's just this year. That's just this year. That's not over the expanse of our existence. That's this year. This is about the heart. Established. I want to talk to you about a Bible term. If you were here five, six years ago, you've heard a little bit about it. I want to. I, I want to generalize it and clarify it and bring it back to where we are. It's called the, the first fruit. It's a, it's, a, it's a concept that Jesus, well, God, Jesus wasn't around, but he was. He was actually there. He just wasn't yet born. It's a concept that God set out when he and his people were making their covenant together. You will be my God. I will be your people. Any, everybody there. If we covenant with God you will be my God I will be your people he says I'll never leave you I will never forsake you I will be your gyra your provider and the question then becomes do you believe that that is true or not and then he goes a step further do you believe that it is true with your lips or with your life and so he sets something up for them and just to be certain, we're going to walk through several books of the Bible. Bring the best of the first fruits of the soil to the house of the Lord your God. The next part doesn't matter to this part. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Is not have anything to do with It has to do with your life in Christ, but not this, okay? This is in Leviticus. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land i am going to give you and you reap its harvest bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain of your harvest okay present a loaf from the first of your meal and present it as an offering so we've moved from agricultural products to, to, to bread, still agricultural, but nonetheless. Numbers, throughout the generations to come, you are to give, uh-uh. throughout the generations to come, you are to give this offering to the Lord from the first of your ground meal. Then also in Numbers, the Lord said to Aaron, I have, I have put you in charge of the offerings presented to me. Aaron was the leader at the time spiritually emotionally all the ways all the holy offerings the israelites give me i give you and your sons as your portion your share i give you all of the finest olive oil and the finest new wine and the grain they give the lord as the first fruits of their harvest all of the land's first fruits that they bring to the Lord will be yours and everyone in your household who is ceremonially clean may eat it. Let's go to Proverbs just to make sure we're not staying in the first five books. Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. Ezekiel, the best of all the first fruits and all the special gifts will belong to the priest. You are to give them the first portion of your meal, and the blessing will rest in your household. That does not mean I get them. That does not mean I get them. Not what that means. It's bring it to the spiritual leader in your place as an offering unto the Lord. If the first part of the dough is holy, oh, come on, church. If the first part of the dough is holy, then the whole batch is holy and so are the branches let's stop there for just a minute and let's talk the people we're talking about lived in an agrarian society okay now I should have known it took me a while to think about it I told Ty I had to look it up I didn't look it up I had to think through it finally hit me but when she came in the office i was trying to be honest about my shortcomings and i said hey i actually had to look up ag she said well if you're gonna say it on sunday it's agrarian (laughs) thank you okay but it has to do with agriculture they lived in an agricultural society right now we can make excuses if we want to we can say And I read this stuff. We don't live in an agricultural society anymore. This does not apply to us. That's an excuse, and it's crap. The emotions were still the same. I have people who tell me all the time, I'm I'm not sure that I can do the, the first fruits thing. Why? Well, because we've run into some hard times. I'm not sure that I can do the first fruits thing. I've got some bills that are piling up, and they're this month. I'm not sure we can do the first fruits thing because I don't have anything left over. Listen to the word. I don't have anything. What? I'm not sure I want to speak with you. I love you, but you just said, if I have it, God gets my, just saying. Just saying, But, but, but I wonder if this happened. I wonder if this happened to good people less. I wonder if these guys like Les who goes out and works on these trucks and Robbie who goes out and and works construction on these homes, these guys who have these these hard and callous hands who are farmers out in the sun who are out in the fields and they are digging in the dirt and their bodies are being sacrificed for their families and their friends and they work really hard and it's one month, it's two months, it's three months before the crop yields anything, all right? And so they've had to learn over time to up for the season that doesn't have any crops being produced. And so while the crops are produced, they're called to give at everyone and to give major at the beginning. And if we were really being honest about how they did it, the first fruits offering was given at the beginning to say we believe you, in the middle to say we continue to trust you, and at the end to say we thank you. I almost made a chart to show you what that would look like if they gave the whole thing and what percentage that would End up being that's how they said God we trust you to bless us regardless but you know what probably happened Johnny Ray you know what probably happened they probably got to uh, we have our cycle of winter so I'm gonna say they got to November and they had plenty And they wanted to share it with their family because that's a good thing. And they had a giant Thanksgiving feast and they were fine in December and they were fine in the second week of December. And then they realized they had plenty. So they thought, I'm gonna have a Thanksgiving feast. But then they got into January and realized that the crop wasn't gonna get here maybe until March. And they had to start rationing the food and rationing the food. And it was gonna get pretty low. And then right as it was getting all the way to the bottom, their crop burst into harvest. What is the question now? Do we take the first fruits off and give it to God, knowing he's going to bless us, or do we say we're going to eat and then we'll give it to God? What's the difference? We act like they didn't experience the hardships and the questions that we experience. Craig, let me ask you this. Does it matter? Let's go to the beginning of time. When it all began. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Abel also brought an offering fat portions from some of the firstborn of the flock. The Lord looked upon favor to Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Best of the first fruits, leftover of the first fruits, prize portion of the gift, Some portion of the gift. Was the problem the offering? It was not. The problem is the heart. And an infectious heart is not just about the crop, not just about the wheat, not just about the dough, and not just about the money. An infectious heart does what? What happened right after this verse? What happened? Cain killed Abel. This was just showing who had the heart. One had a heart to give, the other had a heart to take. And that heart to take can be as simple as a grain or as big as a life. So don't ask me if it matters. It's why some of you, when I say, hey, are you sure this is the best thing to do? And you're like, it's not a big deal. Maybe it's not today but a secondary gift can become murder if your heart's not right. Here's what the first fruit offering did. It said, God, I trust you, not with my lips, but with my life, my health, and my family. This is the Hebrew word for first fruits, bikorim, bikorim. It's translated first fruits, but in Hebrew, that's not what it means. In Hebrew, it means the promise to come. So the question for those who gave their first fruits and who did not give their first fruits was did they believe in the promise to come or did they believe in the gift of now Well Craig you're just trying to get beginning of the year money No I'm not I'm trying to get into the year blessings because I know he will I know he will. Now, the sermon just ended. I need to tell you something. Craig's having a struggle. I'll tell you straight up what happened to me while I was studying. I read this one guy who goes through this whole list of things that says first fruits doesn't have anything to do with us. He made fantastic arguments. He pulled every verse out of context and stuck it next to a verse so that they contradicted one another. And if, 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 the, if a lesser spiritual mind, and I'm not a great spiritual mind, but a lesser spiritual mind had read it, it sounds really good. It's just all extraordinarily uncontextual. It doesn't work. It's, it's, it's okay, it just doesn't work. But are we an agrarian culture? No, we're not. Were they a monetary culture? No, they weren't. Does God judge us on this? No, He actually won't. He asks, He expects, and He blesses. Well, can't you cross the line to prosperity gospel? I absolutely can, because the prosperity gospel says money for money but I believe in the blessing of healthy children I believe in the blessing of of communal church family I believe in the blessing of we're all there for one another I believe in the blessing of joy and hope and peace so I will give my wheat or my money or my tires or my bank account because I know God's going to bless me if he asks for it so here's what happened next this guy said well how does that apply to us today And he said, well, maybe it's the first thing off a giant gift you didn't know you were to receive. I was like, well, that's cool. We do that throughout the year. That's not the beginning. Here was the next line. Maybe it's the entirety of your first paycheck. And sometimes when I'm reading the stuff, God goes, "Mm." and I'm sitting at my desk in there and I looked up and I went, don't. Don't do that. But it was done. He's just laughing. It was done. And I said, God, I'm gonna need a bush. It's gonna need to set fire. Because my paycheck is every other, is twice a month. And this year ain't been purdy. Now, I read a line. Did God speak to me? Yes. Was he specific? Yes. Did he ask it of me? I don't know yet. And that's not an excuse because he knows full well, Steve knows full well, Les knows full well, that I will pull, they don't even question that if I believe it, I'll pull that trigger. So I went to my wife. And I said, hey, babe, you know, we got about three or four weeks before this happens. But I got to tell you something that happened because I tell her stories like that. I told you all the story about me driving down when the when the lottery got to like in the billions. And I was like, I'm going to stop. I got I never carry cash. I got ten dollars in cash. What am I going to do? And God, I was going to stop and buy five tickets. You know what God said? He said, if you put that in the box, can't I make it two billion? So I drove. I drove here. And put it in this box then I ain't afraid to pull the trigger so I said told her that she said good for you so the other day I walk in the house I said baby you need to know what's going on you know she's doing dishes I'm prepping food and I was like I don't think God said this but I need you to know what he and I are talking through and you're gonna have to be involved in the conversation and this is the way I was feeling I'm just showing it to you and uh, I said God said what if you have to give your first paycheck and she looked at me and she went that was it I got nothing else. I'm still struggling. But full full vulnerability, guys, that, why not? I asked her again the other day, and she said, I've been praying about it. She said, I don't know what this is going to look like, but here's what God's telling me we need to do. And she walked down through a pretty massive, pretty massive list of things we needed to do, and then divide, and, Add and then here, God, this is what we're talking about. And I was like, okay. She thought it through. She looked at the scripture. Darn you. I didn't do that. Just kidding. We understand something that I want you to understand. It's not about the money. Cattle on a thousand hills, people. We have a phrase, y'all have heard it before. What do we need God to do? Sell some cows. (laughs) Sometimes NBC just needs God to sell some cows. All right? So here's, here's the live it out. Here's the offering, not from you, from your leadership. Your leadership is saying, here's how we're going to play this out through a season where Sundays cross Christmas, New Year's, and into next season. We have set forth a budget of around two hundred and fifty thousand. That's the budget the elders brought to Exodus two seventy-seven. But we figured we needed to be careful. We, we, we were looking at the how, how giving has dropped off, and we just said, hey, but we're not going to not have faith. We're not going to do it on two hundred, and we're not. You know, here's what we're going to do. Here's the next step. So we talked through all that. So two hundred fifty thousand was the call, and I said, well, what's ten percent of two hundred fifty thousand? Twenty-five thousand. All right. Now, you know where that number came from. The next thing we said is, how do we create the heart of the matter? Well, you preach on it. You pull the scriptures out and you throw it out to your people and you let it be what it is. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to set a 10% a tithing goal on our whole season. And we're going to say, NBC has a goal to set the first fruits of our gifts together forth at $25,000. And we're going to give our regular offerings every week as we always do. And on top of that, we're going to have on the 25th, the 1st, and the 8th, the opportunity for you to pray, seek, learn, grow, love, set forth. God, here it is. You've heard me say that old prayer. An old deacon came to the front. Remember when they used to bring the offering plates to the front of the room, right? And then somebody would pray and then they'd go take up the offering. One little old man was called on one time that never prayed, all right? And when he prayed, he he took his hat off, put it on his heart, and he said this, no matter what I say or do, this is what I think of you. Amen, and put his hat back on. That'll bless you or kick you in the hindside, one or the other. Do you believe in Bikarim? Do you believe in the promises to come? Do you believe in the expanse of time that they're already laid there? That they're already there awaiting us? Do you believe that God is not saying, I need anything from you? Ah, it's not about what I need from you. It's about who you are becoming. So we're gonna do a first fruits offering And here is what we're asking. Did you seek the scriptures? Did you converse with your family? Do your teenagers understand and get to weigh in? Does your sons and daughters understand and get to weigh in at the level they are? Does it hurt? If it's easy, it's not right. If it's easy, it's not right. And is there joy? That one's hard, so I wanna see if I can't help you. I was standing at my window looking out after God was speaking to me, and I thought, what does it mean to feel joy in giving? I think it means this. When you write the check or push the electronic button or walk in here that Sunday morning and stick it in the plate, can you walk back to your seat, not with pride, but with this glow that says, Daddy's proud. That's it. Can you sit there and just go, I'm sure Jesus is proud. That's a joy I can't explain. You will know when you know, okay? Is it sacrificial? Is it joyful? Is it communal? Is your whole family involved? And is it joyful? All right, this is how we are going to break through into the next season, right? This is us putting on the armor of God, knowing that we can run holding hands, going, we're not running into battle. We're running into blessings. No matter if there is a battle, we've already won. God wants to bless us. He will bless us. Our hearts are right. Join hands, run into the promises to come. Let's pray. God, I want to pray an old song over us. Change our hearts, O God. Make us ever true. Change our hearts, O God. Help us be like you. In Jesus' name, amen.